The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. If you will, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to continue on in chapter 1 as we begin to walk through that, looking particularly this morning at the story where Jesus healed the leper. And we're going to see some relations or some correlations in this text the uh, relation between the fact of, of the insidious disease that leprosy is and how that oftentimes the Bible refers to our sin as being leprous. And when we look at the Gospel of Mark, we've, we've recognized that really the Gospel of Mark is just packed full of one miracle after another. As a matter of fact, Mark really records very little of the sermons or the messages that Jesus had preached. But because he doesn't record those messages that Jesus preached, does not mean that there's not teaching in the Gospel of Mark through Jesus' miracles. Uh, for instance, we might look at the teaching today as we see that the, the story behind, if you will, the healing of the leprous man as it being related to our sin. We know that as Jesus healed this leper, that he was proving himself to be God because the Jews believed and knew that the only one that had power to heal a person who had leprosy was God himself. The other thing that Jesus was showing was that he was supportive of the law. He didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. When we look at the story that's recorded of Jesus feeding the 5,000, for instance, we, we know that Jesus is displaying his power over nature, if you will, to multiply the fish and the loaves. But we can also see the correlation of that where Jesus declared himself to be the bread of life. We see the story of Jesus calming the storm. We know that He was displaying the reality that He had power, sovereignty over the weather and, and the earth's atmosphere, if you will. But in that, we see that the application in our lives can be that when we hit those areas of life called storms, and we all do, that Jesus is there and He can bring calm or confidence or assurance in the midst of those things. And so this morning we're going to look at this story of Jesus healing the man who was stricken with leprosy. So if you take your Bibles and turn with Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 40. And would you pray with me as we begin to look at this passage. Father, we pray that as we read your word and see the miracle of Jesus healing this man with leprosy. Lord, I pray that we would see the application of this in our own lives today, Lord, and recognize and realize that, Jesus, you, uh, you healed with a touch then, and, Lord, you still heal with a touch today. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts by the Spirit of God, that we might be able to apply this in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the nature of leprosy, we're not very familiar with leprosy in our culture because we don't see people with leprosy, and leprosy is not, not an issue in our culture. But leprosy in that day, and still in many places around the world, is, a, is an insidious disease that ravages a person's body, that ultimately it, it will lead to an individual's death. 
And the ensuing time from the time that the individual is con- or contracts leprosy to that time is a miserable life in existence that one might live. We find that it's a very destructive disease, that there's no known cure for it. It brings ultimate ruin. But the one thing I want us to see in this passage is that it is very symbolic to the very same thing that sin has done in the lives of us and in the whole human race, as the Bible equates leprosy to sin. And as we look at this, if we look with spiritual eyes, we will realize and understand that all of us in this room, apart from Christ, are really lepers in our own right, doomed to the destructive power of that in our lives if we're not touched in the same way that this man with leprosy was touched by Jesus and sins are forgiven. I can remember the first time in my life that I ever saw an individual who had leprosy. I was in Amsterdam in the year was 2000, Billy Graham Association, and there were thousands of pastors literally from all over the world that had come there to Amsterdam uh, for that week of encouragement, etc., looking at world evangelization. And we were all housed in a thing that you might look at as a military barracks, except it was about a hundred times larger than a military barracks. And there were guys from all over the world with all different kinds of customs. And the very first day that I was there, I recognized a man or saw a man that was sitting outside kind of in the foyer area of where we were. And as I looked at him, I thought, what in the world is wrong with this guy? Because both of his hands were gone. And, and I looked closer at his face, which he had kind of partially covered up, and a part of his nose was gone, and there were places on his cheekbone that were eaten away, and I looked at his legs as they were exposed, and, and literally, guys, I'm not exaggerating, there were places that I could have put my fist in. And we recognized that this man had leprosy. And you can imagine the shock that must have gone through all of us, because this guy's sleeping in the same area that we're in, Right? And it wasn't until recently that we've come to discover that leprosy is really not a contagious disease. That the effects of leprosy are not brought on by some flesh-eating kind of organism, but the disease itself affects the nerve endings on an individual. So that really the person has no idea that where they may be putting their hands or they may be uh, putting their body that... They are numb to any kind of pain. And so it might be that an individual would reach down and grab a hot pot, not recognizing that the pot is hot, and not recognizing that his hand is just burning away because he's holding that pot, because his hand is just numb to it. Later, I'd been to India uh, and visited a leper colony there, And all of these individuals that had leprosy that were there, and many of them had their nose and their ears that were gone. And I was talking to the person that ministered there in the leper colony, and it said that at night when they sleep, the rodents often eat parts of their body. And so that they don't feel it. And I'm not trying to be gross. I I just want us to see the picture of what's taking place here. I found a couple of pictures on the internet. This is one very similar to some of the men that I saw there in India. And we're all familiar with the story of Mother Teresa. 
how she had given her life there in Calcutta, northern India, and southern Nepal there to serve in leper colony. But I love the quote that she came uh, developed after she had served there for many years. She said, the biggest disease today is not leprosy or tuberculosis, but rather the feeling of being unwanted. And as so it was in this day where this leper comes to Jesus, as it's described in verse 40, where news of Jesus had gone out over the area of all of the miracles that he had begun to perform. And there was probably some, uh, some interest generated in the fact that he had declared the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. And we saw last week how the Jews in that day were really looking for the king to come, that he might overthrow the Roman Empire who was subjecting them to their rule. And news had gotten out and people were coming to Jesus. And in verse 40 it tells us that this man comes to Jesus on that day. Read with me, if you will, in verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. I notice it's interesting that he asked Jesus the question, If you will, then you can make me clean. In other words, Jesus, are you willing? I know that you have the power and you have the ability. It's just a question of if you are willing to make me clean. And here's this leper who had been outcast from culture because the Levitical law was very specific. And then when God gave the law through Moses that any person who had leprosy or a skin disease, they had to be put outside of the camp of where all of the other people were so that if it was a skin disease that would, could be spread, it would be confined and it wouldn't spread to infect the whole community. I saw a very vivid picture of this when I was in India because all of these lepers who had been put outside of the community were, in a sense, ostracized from all of the rest of society. They lived a life of humiliation. They lived a life of shame because of nothing that was due to them, their fault at all, but they were cast away. Physically, they had no contact with any others except for those that were within their own community. And just as it was in Jesus' day, if they had come near, they had to shout out and make it known, unclean, unclean. You see, that's what the law prescribed. Was that if a person had leprosy, anytime they went out around others, they had to shout out, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine how humiliating that would be if you had to live your life that way? And I think maybe of the hope that this man possibly had that he had heard Jesus and somehow or another, maybe this was going to be the answer that, that would take care of all of the emotional distress and the humiliating life and the sense of being excommunicated from all of the community, that somehow or another this might be restored if he's just willing to make me whole. Not only physical that he was separated, but emotionally as well. Can you imagine living your life, having to pronounce yourself unclean, and, and then on top of that, that nobody would want to get close to you, let alone ever touch you? This is the life that this man lived, and he comes to Jesus, he says, Hey, if you're, if you're willing, I know that you can make me clean. 
And it's a great picture for us to look at how a leper had to live his life as scripturally leprosy relates to the reality of where we are in our sin apart from Christ. You see, the fact is all of us in this room this morning can pronounce unclean, unclean, apart from what Christ has done for us in our lives. And so it's a beautiful picture here, really, and, and I want to remind us this morning of, of a couple of things. Number one, you may be here this morning and you've never recognized the reality of how very unclean you are spiritually and your need for spiritual salvation. And secondly, we may be here this morning and we've been saved for a while and, and this has kind of become rote to us and we've forgotten really how desperately unclean we are apart from God's working grace in our lives. You see, the Bible spells very specifically the effects of sin in our lives. Not just the action of sin, but the condition that we're all born in because we're born under Adam. And our whole being is just corrupted by sin. Isaiah says this, that our iniquities have made a separation between us and God. And the fact is, because God is holy, God can have absolutely nothing to do with sinful man. You see, we've been separated from Him because of our sin. Paul puts it this way in the book of Romans, that because of our sin, we have become enemies of God. And it's not that God has made us His enemy, but we have made God our enemy. That's the extent of our sinful nature. You see, I'm convinced that until a person recognizes and realizes how deep-seated they are in sin, then they'll never recognize the gift of God and His grace through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you see, for us believers, sometimes if we forget this, then we have a lack of appreciation and worship in the reality of, of God's grace for us. Paul tells us this in Ephesians chapter 2, that before we came to know Christ and were saved by Him, that we were dead because of our trespasses and our sin. Spiritually dead. Let me ask you a question. How dead is dead? I mean, is there a little life in dead? We're dead because of our sin. Spiritually, we're completely separated from God because of our sin. Paul explains to those in Thessalonians that the reality of our sin has, has in, in a sense, purchased for us a destination of condemnation before God. That because we are sinners, we are already condemned. But I'm reminded of the grace of God that those who are in Christ Jesus, now there is no condemnation for those who have trusted Christ. You see, utterly hopeless just like this man who was stricken from leprosy, ostracized, put out, and separated. Now he asked the question of Jesus, Jesus, if you, if you will, or if you're willing, then I know that you can make me clean. And can I tell you this morning, Jesus is always willing. He's always willing. Peter writes this for us in his letter in the third chapter, his second letter, verse 9. He says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but He is patient towards you. You know that word patient? It doesn't mean that 
like when we stand in Walmart line and we have to wait more than 30 seconds, it's not that kind of patience. It means that he's long-suffering or that he suffers long. But, but God suffers long with us. Why does he suffer long? Because he doesn't wish that any of us would perish, but all of us should come to the place of repentance. So God desires that, that all of us, and he's willing, Paul writes this in 1 Timothy, he says, this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I can remember, it's been 35 years now or so, when Sandy and I came to know Christ, and some of you have heard my testimony, and I remember Sandy and I were talking about it just a few weeks ago, sharing with somebody else and both of us live just a life that, that is very reflective of what a leper's life may have been like, right? Sandy was worse than I was, but we both lived there. A few weeks after I'd come to Christ, we were going to this church in San Diego, and we were laughing about it, all, not laughing, but kind of thinking about it, that, that the way that Sandy would have presented herself back in that day, most churches would have said, uh, ma'am, could you please not come in here? But I'm so thankful that that night that we went to the church there, that they didn't put us away. They probably looked at us and said, man, they need Jesus. And they probably prayed together after we walked by, hoping that somehow or another the Spirit of God would move in our hearts and we'd get saved. And Sandy will tell the story that as we were in that service listening to the message, that the thing that rang out very clearly as he was teaching through the, God, through the book of Revelation was when Jesus was talking to the church there and he said, listen, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, and because you're lukewarm, I'm about to spew you out of your mouth. And Sandy would say, listen, the thought of being spewed out of Jesus' mouth, I just couldn't help but run down there. Why? Because we recognized the condition that we were in apart from what Christ could do for us. And you see, we're all in that same boat. We're all in that same situation this morning. However, for those who have trusted Christ, just like this man with leprosy, he has cleansed us from that, and that's reason to celebrate. Amen? Amen. Now look at verse 41. Verse 40, he comes to Jesus and he says, If you're willing, make me clean. And I love this in verse 41. It says, Moved by pity. Not, oh, you poor, poor, pitiful thing. A better word there would be moved by compassion. Jesus sees this man in his condition, and I believe because Jesus is God, he's seeing both. He's seeing as a human, and he's seeing this poor man wrought with leprosy. God seeing that there's a disease that's even greater than leprosy, and that is the disease of sin, and that's where he's moved by compassion. And he has compassion on him. You see, compassion, as it's defined, is, is one having the ability, the consciousness of another person's need, and doing something to meet that need. And Jesus sees this man with leprosy, he has compassion on him, and he's moved to do something with that. You see, the Bible describes God as a compassionate God. I know we all have images of God in our mind. And sometimes we have an image of God that He's this big ogre up there and He's just waiting for us to mess up so He can smat us down one more time because we didn't quite measure up. But God 
is a compassionate God and he glories in himself in his compassion. Do you remember the story when Moses is going up on the top of Mount Sinai and he's about to receive the Ten Commandments. He's about to receive the law from God. And all of this time, Moses is going through the wilderness with all the children of Israel and he's seeing all the miracles of God. He's seen the rod become a snake. He's seen the water flow from the rock. He's seen the Red Sea part. He's seen all of these things. He's seen a, a cloud lead them by day and a fire lead them by night. He's seen manna from heaven. And in all of that, it's almost as if Moses says, Look, God, I don't need to see another miracle. I need to see your glory. So God makes a deal with Moses. He says, Okay, I'm going to go up to the mountainside here and I'm going to give you my law, but I'm going to show you my glory. And he takes Moses and he hides him there in the cleft of the rock and he covers him over so that he really can't see his face because he knows that if he sees God in all of his glory and holiness, he'll just disintegrate. And he passes by, but it's interesting what God declares to Moses. He declares to him his name. He says, Yahweh, Yahweh. And then he begins to describe his name. And one of those things that he uses as a descriptive term of his character is that he is a God of compassion. Aren't you glad that God's a God of compassion? In the book of Lamentations, it tells us that his compassions fail not. In other words, his compassions are always there. No matter how much you or I may mess up, His mercies or His compassions are new every morning. James describes God in this way when he talks about His compassion. He says that He is full of compassion. In other words, God can't be anything else other than a compassionate God. And so Jesus is moved by His compassion to this leprous man. You see, I'm also convinced that if we've never experienced the compassion of God, then I'm not sure if we really recognize the depth of our need for His mercy and compassion. But the other thing we recognize in this is that when we have experienced the compassion of God, it makes us more inclined to have compassion for others. You see, when I run across folks who aren't very compassionate of other people in their situations, I realize and recognize, you know, they don't have a clue how utterly desperate they are themselves. He stretched out his hand, it says, and he touched him. Possibly could have been years since the last time this man was intentionally touched. Oftentimes, I'll I'll go to nursing homes, and many of you have as well. And the one thing I recognize and realize about senior citizens who are living in nursing homes, oftentimes, many of their family is, is either gone or they passed away. Many of their friends are gone. And the thing that I find that every time that I go into a nursing home or assisted living or something like that, and I'm, I'm with elderly people who, in a sense, are kind of put away, right? The thing I find that they want most is just to be touched. Just to be touched. Why? There's something in a touch that says, 
You're valuable. I value you. Jesus took a great risk in touching this man. He didn't have to touch him to heal him, did he? I mean, he, he could have just... I mean, he's God, right? He, he could have just spoken the word and the leper would have been healed. But he takes a chance. Maybe you might say he takes a risk. And he reaches out and he touches this leper. He's willing and he touches him. There are many times where we find that Jesus touches individuals. And, and you may not have a question about this, but I wonder, Jesus, why did you touch? I mean, the guy that was deaf and dumb, we, we're going to see the story later in the, in the Gospel of Mark. He's deaf and dumb, and, and really Jesus kind of gives him a wet willy and, and heals his ears. You remember the man that was born blind? Jesus spits, you may have heard this, blind, and you hear, oh, okay, what's going on here? He makes some mud, and he puts it on his eyes, and he, and he heals him. When he heals Mary, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, as we're going to look, I think, next week, uh, he touches her. He doesn't have to touch her. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One of the reasons is obvious because there's touch communicates something. Touch, touch communicates a, a warmth and a love and an affection. It, it displays that. Unless you're Sean. Sean, are you in here this morning? Sean doesn't like to be touched. Where is she? Okay. Something's wrong with that. Right. But, but it displays that. The other thing I think Jesus wants to recognize us to recognize is that, that Him being God, not only is He willing to touch and take the risk of either physically becoming unclean or violating the law and making Himself unclean ceremonially because of the law, but I recognize and realize that what He's wanted to show us there is He's willing to touch us and take the risk of becoming unclean because God sent Him so that He who knew no sin might become sin for us. Did you catch that? Reaches out his hand and he, and he touches him and he makes him clean. Paul puts it this way in verse 21 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was willing to get dirty so that you and I might have his righteousness. That's a better way to put it. Reminds me of him. And this may not be a good application in this service, but one of my favorite old hymns. The, the words in the hymn are shackled by heavy burden. Neath a load of guilt and shame. And then the hand of Jesus touched me and now I am no longer the same. And as I thought about the words of that hymn this last week, and I thought about the place where this leper was, he was shackled by a heavy burden. He was neath a load of guilt and shame. He knew that he was a leper. He knew that he was unclean. And everybody else let him know that he was unclean. And shackled by all of that, and 
in bond, bound to all of that, Jesus touched him, and now he is no longer the same. You see, you and I, too, were once that way in God's sight. We were leprous because of our sin condition. But he takes the initiative to reach out and touch us and save us so that now we're no longer the same. The chorus goes, he touched me. Oh, he touched me and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. He touched me, oh, He touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me. Has He touched you? Have you recognized that you're a leper? Have you asked Him, touch me? Because I'm shackled in this. I can't get out. Jesus, if you don't touch me, then then there's nothing else that's going to take care of me. You've got to touch me. Because I've tried all the church incorporated stuff and it doesn't work. Jesus, you've got to touch me. I've done the Hail Marys and they don't work. I've joined the First Baptist Church, and it doesn't work. Something's missing. What's missing is you haven't asked Him to touch you. You haven't recognized that none of that other stuff will eradicate that leprosy, but only a touch by Jesus can do. You see, it's all by grace. Look at the leper's response. Verse 42 to 44, he says this. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. (laughs) Not over time. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. The leprosy, the disease left him, and he made clean meant all the stuff that was gone, the extremities, maybe the hole of the ear, all that stuff came back. He knew that he had been healed. You see, when the person touches Jesus... They recognize their sin and they know their need of a Savior and they truly accept Him. They are immediately cleansed and they know it. No questions. Jesus sternly charged him, it says in verse 43, and sent him away at once. Charge him with this. See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer... For your cleansing, what Moses commanded for a proof to them. You see, Jesus, we'd seen earlier, declared the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of God is at hand, and 
His popularity is growing. He didn't want, to, he didn't want them to, to misunderstand. He wasn't, he wasn't going around doing all these miracles and stuff to try to establish some earthly kingdom like they were under the rule. But there was another kingdom that he was all about. And so he commands him, don't say a thing. Don't say a word. That's not what he did. He leaves and he begins to tell everybody, I'm clean, I'm clean, Jesus cleansed me. When I was in the military, we had a mantra, if you're going to keep it a secret, you kill the two you told. I see a parallel here. And that parallel is this. When somebody's touched by Jesus and they're born again, you can't shut them up. can't shut them up. <laughs> and all their theology might be, might be wrong so far, but you can't shut them up. All they know is, man, I, I can't tell you anything other than Jesus saved me. Amen. But there is a danger that we can become desensitized again. You may find this in your life. I don't know. I, I do. And it's not that it gets old, but somehow or another it's easy sometimes to fall into Christian life that, man, everything's going all right. I got my time with Jesus. I go to church. I do the right things. I do all this kind of stuff. But you recognize, man, there's not that fervency that once was there. And when Jesus touched me, I wanted to tell everybody Jesus touched me. And now I'm ashamed to admit, sometimes I'm more concerned about rejection than I am the state that they're in apart from Jesus. Somebody else with me or not? And say, oh my, with me. Thank you. Some of us need to have that rekindled. If you're like me, I'm praying God revive me in that. Somehow or another, Jesus has kind of become old hat. I don't want it to be old hat. I don't know about you. You might be satisfied with old hat, but I'm not. He immediately began to go out and tell others what Jesus had done. In closing, let me ask you this. Three questions to consider as we've looked at this. First one is this. Have you ever recognized your hopeless situation and your condition? Have you ever recognized fully that apart from God's saving grace, you're just lost and separated from God? And I'm not being condemning, but that's the way we all have been. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning and saying, look, that, that, that's you, and, and you're still leprous because you haven't asked me, Jesus, touch me, then I want to encourage you this morning, ask Jesus to touch you. Acknowledge 
your sinful condition before Him and say, Jesus, I know unless you touch me, unless you save me, there's no way for me, and ask Jesus to save you. It's simple as that. Um, secondly, are, are you here this morning and, and maybe, maybe that's not the issue. Maybe there's a life situation that you're going through, a circumstance that you're like, man, if Jesus doesn't, there's no other way. That I'd encourage you to cry out to Him this morning, Jesus, meet me where I am. The circumstances may not change today, but you just need to know that He's there. Ask Him. He'll show Himself. And lastly, are you in the same condition that I found myself in as I really looked at this this week and said, you know, I've kind of become desensitized. Lord Jesus, stir in my heart revival. If that's where you are, then cry out, ask Him, God, revive me. Father, we pray that as we... Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.